The scripture reading is found in Genesis chapter 4. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I do not know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth but whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the, Lord will, then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Exodus 20, 13. You shall not murder. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we're studying your law, and you did not give your law to crush us or to condemn us, but to point us to Jesus and to guide us in life, and we pray that it would do that for us. Amen. So we are studying the Ten Commandments right now, and we come today to number six, which says, you shall not murder. So to explore that command, I, I really have just, I wanna to touch on three different talking points. I, first, I wanna talk about murder, and then I wanna talk about the heart of murder, and then I'd like to talk about the hope for murderers, all right? So we'll start with murder. What does it mean here in Exodus 20 when it says you shall not murder? If, uh, if you were to look at the, the Hebrew for this, you would see that in Hebrew, this is actually just two short words, and the words are no killing. That's what it says. But if you read this in, in the context of the Bible, you, 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 you uh, understand that this can't be forbidding all kinds of killing of, of any type, um, because there is some killing apparently allowed. For example, the Bible says that humans are allowed to kill animals for food. We are to raise them humanely, we are to treat them with dignity, but we are allowed to kill animals. You'll also find in the Bible that in certain situations, we are permitted to take the life of another human being. Um, for example, killing in self-defense 
is allowed if it's absolutely necessary. And soldiers are allowed to kill other soldiers on the field of battle if in the context of a just war. And if you look in the Old Testament, you see that certain crimes were, were said to, uh, they were treated as capital offenses, meaning that they were said to merit the death penalty. So um, judging from the rest of scripture, you have to conclude that this, this commandment, it is not a blanket prohibition against all killing of any kind. What, what this is, it's forbidding, it's forbidding the unjustified termination of a human life. It's, it's, it's forbidding unrighteous assault on life. And you see that in the, the passage Tom read for us from Genesis 4. Um, we read of the, these are the very first two sons that were born to Adam and Eve. The firstborn son was named Cain. Um, his younger brother was named Abel. And we read in verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And then it says, while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So that, would you agree, that's a clear example of what's prohibited by the sixth commandment. Cain, Cain murdered his brother. Cain's act was premeditated, it was intentional, it was ruthlessly violent. So it was murder, and that's, that's prohibited by this commandment. Now, if you look through scripture, you'll see that um, the sixth commandment, it extends to other forms of killing. Uh, abortion, for example, would be forbidden by this commandment. The, uh, the writers of the Bible, if you look at the language that they used, they, they made no distinction at all between a human life in the womb and a human life out of the womb after birth. So that would be prohibited. Um, suicide is also prohibited by this commandment. Suicide is really the murder of one's own self. And many people at some different points in their life will, will be tempted to think about this. It really is a temptation to a sin. I'd, I do not have a right to take my life, neither do you. Our, our lives belong to God. Um, passive murder, if that's a phrase, uh, passive murder is also forbidden by this commandment. So pa passive murder, I would define it this way. It's when, when you have the power to save someone's life, but you do nothing to help them. So for example, let's say, all right, I know how to swim. Let's say that I see a three-year-old child fall into a swimming pool. If I just stand there and watch her drown, you would be justified to accuse me of, of killing that child, right? That's, that's passive murder. It's not just have to do with children in swimming pools, it has to do with children in, in hunger, right? If I, if I hear that there are children dying of hunger in this world, I can't save them all, but if I do nothing, to help any of them, just let them die. This commandment would, would, would say that I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. The old uh, Westminster lar longer, larger catechism says that the sixth commandment requires, quote, all lawful endeavors to preserve the lives of others. God does, doesn't just forbid us killing people, he commands us to, to work to save lives. I think you could say that acts of violence are also um, prohibited by this commandment. If I, if I shoot you and you survive the shooting, technically I'm not a murderer, right? But would you, would you agree that I've, I've violated the, at least the spirit of this commandment? So again, the catechism says this. It says that the sixth commandment forbids oppression, quarreling, striking, wounding, whatsoever else tends to the destruction of anyone's life. So just a, a threat to your life 
or to your body or to your safety through violence is, is uh, prohibited by this. You know, the, um, the national statistics on domestic abuse tell us that in our country, one out of four women in the course of their lifetime will, will um, be the victim of severe physical violence at the hands of their intimate partner. And, and this, this commandment would say that this, that is extremely um, uh, grieving to God that that would happen. So th- these are all examples of um, what's prohibited by this command or what is commanded by this commandment. And um, to get an idea of how seriously God takes this, if you look at this passage in Genesis 4, after Cain had killed his, his brother, it says, the Lord said to Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Isn't that a poetic uh, way of, I think God is just basically saying to Cain, I cannot overlook what you've done. The life of your brother is that important to me. It's as if his blood is still crying to me. I, I can't ignore it. This, this, is, this is very, see, the reason this is so important to God is because the word of God says, Genesis 1, that every human being, from the greatest to the smallest, from the richest to the poorest, every human being is created in the image of God. And it, 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 it is to be treated with respect and love, right? Um, because, uh, because of who they are in God's eyes. So when, when a human life is ended um, through one of these forms of murder, I, I think God would just say, his or her blood is crying out to me from the ground. I can't, I can't ignore what has happened. We, we know that on September 11, 2001, uh, 2,753 New Yorkers were killed through those terror attacks. It was 18 years ago. Their blood, in some sense, is still crying out to God from the ground. And the, the, uh, the land that this building is on right now, the land that we all live on, it once belonged to the Lenape Indians. They were destroyed through genocide 400 years ago. Their blood is still crying out to God from, from the ground. So th- this, th- this commandment, it, 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 it is instructing us to honor human life the lives of people around us, to treat it as sacred and, and, and to shun actions or actions of neglect that harm it and to look for ways to, to preserve it. So that's, that's what it means when it says do not murder. Now, second point, let's talk about the heart of murder. Um, most of us don't murder people with our hands, right? We never get around to it, um, but we might harbor murder toward them in our heart? Jesus, in, 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 Mark, in Matthew 15, Jesus is listing um, different forms of human sin that come from the heart, and he says murder. He says murder comes from the heart. And you'll note, did you notice that in the passage from Genesis 4? When did God start talking to Cain? After the crime had been committed? No. Way before he ever did anything violent against his brother. God, God, God began to talk with Cain about what, what was going on inside him. If you're not familiar with the story, here it is in a nutshell. These, these two men, these two brothers, they both go to worship God. Um, Abel's, the younger one, his sacrifice was accepted by God. Cain's sacrifice, for reasons that we're not told here, it was not accepted. And Cain's reaction to that, rather than saying, what must I do to seek God? No, his, his reaction was just, 
to be furious. He fumed over this. He began to resent uh, that, well, his brother and, and the approval his brother had received from God. We, we read that his face was downcast. I wonder if that just means he just began to feel sorry for himself and resentful and, and bitter. And God came to him in that situation, end of verse seven, and said, God said this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. What do you think God was warning Cain about there? I think, I think he was just saying, Cain, if you had any idea what is growing inside you right now and where this might lead you, you would turn to me right now. You see, before he ever, before he ever enacted murder with his, his hands, the seeds of murder were already growing in his heart. And Jesus told us that we should be on, on the guard for that. He's, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that's what happens with us whenever we begin to harbor a grudge against someone else. Here's what he said, Matthew 5, verse 21 and 22. He said, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now, the, the word Jesus used for anger there, it doesn't mean you briefly you lose your temper for a moment. Somebody bumps you on the train and you feel angry. That's not what he's talking about. The word he uses there, it really, it means, it means the slow burn. When, when, you, when, when you just kind of harbor some feelings of resentment. Have you ever do that? You go over them again and again in your mind. You maybe have these fantasy conversations. I would say this to him and then I would say that and I would point out this problem. You just, he, he, he says, when, when you do that, um, he says, if, if you carry anger and resentment inside you, something is growing in you that if it takes root and grows, it will produce the, the same type of sin that you would see at the hands of a murderer. Um, and it might be that no one else sees. Some of us are really good at hiding what's inside, right? Um, but First Samuel chapter 16 says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. He looks past the smiling face and the, and the nice, polite words. It says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at what's going on inside us. The Apostle John, writing, writing to a Christian church, wrote this in 1 John 3, verse 15. He said, anyone who hates a brother or sister he, he said, is a murderer. And, and you know that, that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. Can you imagine John writing to a church and saying, you, you have murderers in your congregation. What are you talking about, apostle? He would say, listen, if in your heart you're harboring resentment against someone, um, that's what's going on in you. So the, the second commandment, um, it, it's not just telling us not to strangle people, right? It's telling us to love people. It's, it's telling us to look to ways to be, to be forbearing and forgiving and gracious and kind. Again, with the, the catechism, the, cat, the old catechism, man, did they get it. They said this, the sixth commandment, here, here I'll read it. The sixth commandment calls us to charitable thoughts, love, compassion, meekness, gentleness, kindness, mild and courteous speeches and behavior, mild and courteous Facebook posts. No, it didn't say that. Um, a readiness to be reconciled, a patience bearing with others and forgiving injuries, and a desire to return good 
for evil. And so you see, when, these, when those virtues are absent from my heart, um, murder is starting to grow in my heart. The same with you. So this, this really deals with something in here. And we say, well, it's just inside me. Who cares? Well, do you remember what the Bible says about what God judges? He doesn't just judge our behavior. What does it say? It's Hebrews 4, verse 12. Some of you know this verse. It says this. The word of God is living and active. Remember that one? The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirits, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is hard stuff, isn't it? You know, I thought it would be easy when we got to murder, like, whoosh, finally. Last week, Pastor Jeffrey talked about honor your parents. You know, we we're all on the hook there. But, but murder, I thought this would be an easy one. Oh, man. I almost feel like this commandment is, is just kind of beckoning us to ask some, um, some questions of kind of a self-inventory. Do you mind if I ask you some? So, so like this. Um, is there anyone against whom you find yourself carrying a grudge? Just come back to that. Is there, is there anyone you would be unwilling to forgive if they said they were sorry? Is, um, is there, how's this? Is there anyone about whom you would feel secretly happy if you heard that something bad happened to them? Are, are, there, are there any groups of people that you just kind of write off with your language? You speak about them dismissively, disparagingly, or is there anyone you hate? Sometimes it's hard to admit that. That's an ugly word. Is there? If, if that's, if you, you know, to whatever degree you might find yourself needing to say yes to questions like that, I think that God would very lovingly today want to say to you the same thing he said to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So, that's the heart of murder. Now, final thought, the, the hope. Is there hope for murderers? I, I wanna be honest with you, this, this story from uh, Genesis 4, I've, you know, I've known this since I was a little kid. I do not like this story for a number of reasons, all right, because I'm a younger brother and the younger brother gets knocked off. Um, but also, you know what I really don't like about this story? It just seems to me that Cain gets away with it. It's away with murder. Yeah, there's some consequences. He has to wander and, and, he, and he's gonna have some tar. If you read, however, if you read on in Genesis, Cain goes on to be a very successful man and be the father of a line of very successful people. You know what, I, I just, it just kind of, does it bother you? It makes me mad. Like God, what, he killed his baby brother. What, you're gonna let him get away with that? Why, why? I just feel like saying, God, why don't you punish his sin. And then I think about my own sin. I've never, I've never murdered anyone. You don't have to call 911 or anything. But I have harbored grudges. Have you? I mean, I've, ne I've never killed anyone with, with my hands, but I have, I have resented people. I have looked down on people. Have you? I've, 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 I've neglected to help the poor in ways I could. I, I just, the, this commandment, I'm not off the hook. So when I, when I think of the mercy that was shown to Cain, it, it kind of reminds me of this undeserved mercy 
that was shown to me. I mean, God, God has been merciful to me. Has he been merciful to you? That should make us rejoice. You know, in the Bible, we are told that the, the Hebrew word is the hesed, the, the loving kindness of God. It is defined as one of his central characteristics. I mean, just scores of times through the Bible, we're to, even more than we're told about God's holiness or God's judgment, his loving kindness, his loving kindness. If you heard the Psalms where they sing, his loving kindness endures forever. You read things like this in the Bible, Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. How many of you feel happy about that? He does not repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So the hope for murderers is that they can be forgiven. You know, murder is not the unforgivable sin. In fact, isn't this something? Arguably, the three most important authors human authors of scripture, I would say, are Moses, David, and Paul. Moses gave us the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. David wrote the bulk of the Psalms, beautiful Psalms. Paul wrote more books of the New Testament than anyone else. Do you know that all three of those men were murderers? Moses killed a man with his bare hands. David arranged the, 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 uh, the murder of his most loyal soldier, Paul, persecuted the church, dragged moms and dads out of their houses and led them off to be killed. They were all murderers. And you know what else they have in common? They were all forgiven. Now the question is, how, how, wait a minute, how can, how can God do that? Forgive a, a sin as serious as murder? Well, you probably know the answer. Do you remember... If you heard the story, do you remember when Jesus was crucified? The Bible tells us that Jesus died on a cross that had originally been assigned to another man. Remember that guy's name? Who was the guy that was supposed to die on that cross? Anyone? Barabbas. You know, isn't it something? Mark 15 goes out, Mark goes out of his way to tell us Barabbas was a murderer. So think about that. When Jesus died, he, he literally, willingly, traded places with a murderer, right? He, he did that, and you know what? When you, when you place your trust in Christ, when I place my trust in Christ, we turn from our sin and we just cast ourselves into his arms. Guess what? He trades places with us as well. He, he takes the place that murderers deserve so murderers can receive the blessing he deserves. For anyone and everyone who trusts in him. My, my wife and I have a, a, a friend. I've known her for decades. She's a really godly Christian woman. And she told me once that years ago, she went to a church on a typical Sunday morning. It was just a Sunday morning like any. And um, she heard some words that Sunday that transformed her life. The pastor was preaching on how God's forgiveness is available to anyone who trusts in Christ, and she had trusted Christ. And you know, you hear that every Sunday. Any, any, any church worth its salt is going to tell you that every Sunday, right? She's heard it a hundred times. And then for, for a reason she didn't, she doesn't know why. It almost seemed like just a throwaway comment that the pastor hadn't even planned to say. 
that the, the preacher said, uh, if you've had an abortion, God has forgiven you. He's forgiven you. And my, my friend told me that she, she, she didn't, can't explain it, but for some reason when she just heard those words, she felt as if the Holy Spirit just came and lifted a burden she had been secretly carrying since she was a teenager, a burden of shame and regret, and just took it away. And, for, and she, she just felt her, this desire to sing. She's saying to herself, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I really am forgiven. Do you know that any of us, regardless of what sin we've ever committed, we could say the same thing through Christ, amen? And I don't know how to prove this to you, but I think that if Cain, I, I, do you agree with me? I think if Cain had repented and sought mercy that day, he could have said that as well. I'm forgiven. That's offered to all of us. Now, here's why that's important to know, especially right now. We're just barely past halfway done with these commandments. It's tough studying the, the Ten Commandments every week. You know, even on murder, I thought I'd be safe on this one. They always nail you. You always find out, oh, I've broken that one too. Do you know, do you know that when God uses his law to point out our sin, do you know why he does that? He does not do that to condemn us. He doesn't do that to crush us. Listen, he doesn't even do that to tell us to try harder, Right? He points at our sin just to tell us, run to the arms of Jesus. Run to the arms of Jesus and be forgiven. One of the apostles speaking to, to people who knew the law very well in Acts chapter 13, he said this. He said, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And that's our hope. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you treasure life. You are the author and giver of life. And, and for each person in this room, some might on occasion just feel worthless or unimportant. You treasure us. Teach us to treasure the life of others. And forgive us for ways we haven't. Thank you that Jesus made that forgiveness fully available. Amen.